Well, starting this morning, we are going to take the month of May off from our Ephesians series, Glory in the Church. And we're going to start a new series today because we need targeted encouragement during this troubling time. So the new series is called Five Promises for This Pandemic. Five Promises for This Pandemic. Uh, We need encouragement directly tied to our challenges. Uh, We feel anxious. We feel alone. We feel agitated, angry, bored. Uh, We get depressed. We feel unsettled. And so it's time to just to just talk about the unique challenge that we're facing right now. We need something firm to hold on to, right? Something firm. So our middle child, Cassie, has her driver's permit. And Lauren and I are both taking turns teaching her how to drive. She's like 50 hours or something of practice uh, driving before she can get her license. And she's doing well overall for a beginner. So we're very proud of her. Fantastic job. But um, early on, she would do something while she was driving that would just be different or unexpected and maybe unsafe. And at that moment, I would always do the same thing. I would grab onto something, right? Then I would provide targeted instruction uh, and and then encouragement after that. But man, when something happened that I was not expecting, I would reach for something to hold on to. Um, and, you know, when, when we go out, it just seems like something always happens to just trip her up a little bit. We just went out driving yesterday, uh, and during that same drive, uh, as she began to merge to, to get off on a street, a semi came up, and she had to figure out how to merge uh, next to a semi. That was a little scary. And then it was nighttime, and there was a, she was about to go into a turn lane, and there was a pedestrian standing at night in the turn lane wearing all dark clothes. That was a curveball. Thankfully, nobody got hurt. Then there was a huge pothole. And, and then while she was almost home, somebody just swerved into her lane. And she's like, what is that? And whenever stuff like that happens, we want something to hold on to, right? Uh, let's face it. For all of us, this is our first global pandemic for all of us. So we're beginners on this road. And we need something to hold on to. Uh, so... In May, we are going to grab on to five promises for this pandemic. Let's pray and then we'll get into God's word together. Father, we're grateful that your word gives us promises. Things that are sure, things that are certain, things that are reliable. And Lord, while, while we feel like we're just uh, all over the road here, while we feel like we can't predict where we're going, while we're unsettled and unsure we just, we just ask that you would show us these things in your word, these promises that we can stand on with confidence. Bring us the encouragement we need today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, usually I have you turn to a single passage and we work through it together. There's going to be several verses we go to today. They'll all be projected for you, so you don't have to worry about racing around in your Bible or trying to keep up. Week one, the first promise is this. God will bring good from this painful season. Listen, God will bring good from this painful season. And the first thing you can write down is this. Rest in and rely on God's goodness. Because God will bring good, we have to rest in and rely on his goodness. We can rest on it, meaning it's a comforting truth. Uh, And we can rely on it, meaning it's a reliable truth that we can apply and that we can follow through on. 
Rest in and rely on God's goodness. In Psalm 34, 8, it says this, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. We're given two images here. The first one is of food. Taste and see. Taste and see. Have you ever had somebody try and convince you to try something? Have you ever tried to convince someone to try food? They're looking at it and they're not quite sure that they want to. Try it. No. Just give it a try. No. Just one bite. I don't want to. And this idea here implies that, that we don't necessarily want to rest in the goodness of God. We don't, we don't believe that it's reliable, right? And so it's like someone's trying to get us to try it. Hey, just taste it and see that the Lord is good. And that image is great. It's like you're not so sure about the food someone's trying to talk you into, but then after you try it, you see that it's your favorite. The other image in this verse is one of refuge. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Now this idea of a refuge is someone you run when you're in danger or somewhere that you run when you're in danger. You take refuge in like a storm shelter. It's where you go when you feel unsafe and God's presence is described as the place we should run when we need refuge. It's the place that we go to. Hey, listen, without God, you're in a blanket fort. You've got no protection. But when you run into God's presence, you are in a fortress and God will protect you. Rest in and rely on God's goodness. Why? Well, jot this down. Because everything good comes from God. Everything good comes from God. God is the source of all goodness in the world. And so you should rely on him because he's the source. In James 1.17, it says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So we've got another picture here that shows us what God, sometimes the Bible tells us what, what God is like, and sometimes it shows us. So this picture here is showing us what God's goodness is like. And it says it's like a light, up in the sky, and there's no variation or shadow. There's no change. There's, there's nothing. And so just as the sun is an endless source of light streaming down from heaven on a cloudless day, so God's goodness floods all the earth with unfading light. Hey, we love the beach, am I right? And is there anything better than a sunny day at the beach, a clear day at the beach, Here's a picture of the beach on a clear day. This is where I want to be. I mean, this is where I could sit and swim all day. Here's another picture. It's just clear. As far as the eye can see. Wow. I want to go there. I want to stay there. Now grab that image and apply it to God. When it comes to God's goodness, it's like that sun shining down with nothing fading it at all. There's nothing. It just keeps shining and shining and shining and bringing delightful things to the world. That's God's goodness. That is God's goodness. So that testifies that God is the source of all good. It all comes from him. Just like the sun is the source of, of all the light, right? The endless source. But it also shows that God isn't just uh, the, the endless source of all light. He's the only source of goodness, he, he is the only place it comes from. In Luke 18, 19, 
somebody walked up to Jesus and said, good teacher, and Jesus was like, stop right there. Only one is good. Why do you call me good? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, what did he mean by that? What he meant is that only God is inherently good. No one else, no other living being is inherently, eternally good but God. God has all the goodness that can be had. He's the source of all goodness that can be discovered and experienced. And listen, this is a truth that we all must discover at some point in our lives. When it comes to good, we're not it. We've got to get this idea of goodness, of righteousness from somewhere else. And guess where it comes from? Only from God. Only from God. So we have to discover that goodness emanates from God's nature. Hey, listen, God didn't master the art of being nice. He is the wellspring of all goodness. So we have to rest in and rely on God's goodness. Why? Because everything good comes from God. Write this down. Because nothing good comes without God. Everything good comes from him. Nothing good comes without him. Apart from God, we're nothing. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We are incapable of knowing good or being good without God. In Psalm 14.3, it says this, They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. So there was a point when all the angels did a count. They, they counted all humans through all time. Count, go count them up and, and tell me how many good people you find. How many good people do you find? And the answer, according to the Bible, is none. None. Hey, aside from Jesus Christ, no one in the Bible is inherently good. Aside from God, no one is inherently good. And that includes you and that includes me. We're not it. That's why we have to rest in and rely on God's goodness because nothing good comes from without God. But the good news is God invites us into his family through faith in Jesus Christ. It says in Matthew 5:45, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Hey, this is our God. Even though we've been bad to him, even though we've been not good, he makes the sun to shine on us. He sends the rain on us. He, he, he provides for us. And he does all of that to testify that he wants us to become sons and daughters of God. What a good, amazing God we have. So number one, rest in and rely on God's goodness. Hey, God will bring good from this painful season. We have to rest in it. We have to rely on it. Number two, write this down. Trust that God's good plans will prevail. Trust that God's good plans will prevail. Now, now I had plans for 2020. You probably had plans for 2020. I, I had to go back through my calendar, delete, delete, delete. There were travel plans, delete. There were meetings, delete. There were, there were all sorts of things planned. And our, our schedules have been thrown into a blender, right? Our plans, we didn't know what was going to come this year. But God's not caught off guard. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Hey, when, when life drastically changes like it has this year, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to learn a, a whole bunch of new things about God. 
I want to know that everything I've been told about God is true. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want to know that all the things that you've been told about God is true still? And Jeremiah 29, 11 is still true. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. Hey, trust that God wants to give you a future. Trust that God wants to give you a hope. He's more than capable of carrying out his plans even during this time. We can trust those promises. Well, why should we trust them? Well, write this down. Because he's weaving everything together. He's, he's weaving everything together. He's bringing every part together uh, for good. This idea of weaving or of bringing parts together is probably best captured by people who would, who would weave these rugs or these blankets, right? You take all these individual threads and somehow after you bring them all together, it makes something that has a pattern or, or it's artistic, right? So there's this one woman uh, and, and she put a picture up of a rug. She took one of her favorite movie characters and she sewed this, she, she made this rug with one of her favorite movie characters. But one of the pictures she posted <coughs> was the backside and it was so messed up on the backside, you couldn't quite figure out who it was. So I'm going to throw this up on full screen and I'm going to give you a chance to look at it and see if you can figure out what movie character this is. You just see all of these different strings, these threads, this yarn that's going every which way, and you're like, who? What? How do all of these threads come together to make anything that makes sense? And once she flipped it over, you could see, uh, so here's the picture of it flipped over, and one of her favorite movie characters is Ron Weasley from from Harry Potter. Uh, And now you can see it. Now, Now you can see how it all comes together in a way that makes sense and creates a clear picture. Now listen, God's got all the threads of all of human history. And when you look at one side, our side, it doesn't look like it makes sense. I don't know how 2020 factors into the grand plan, but look, God sees the whole picture and we will one day see the whole picture. But we have to trust that he is weaving everything together in a way that lines up with his promises. That includes your life, that includes my life. In Romans 8, 28, it says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. That's a huge promise. Hey, listen, I don't know what's already happened in your 2020. Uh, I don't know what's happening in your 2020. I don't know what's about to happen. But I know what God's promise is. And I know that he's promised that he will work it out for good. He'll grab that thread no matter how ugly the color is, no matter how much it doesn't match, and he knows right where to put it. He knows just how it fits in, right? It's not going to be an oops. He's going to make it work according to his promises. We have to trust that God's good plans will prevail. Jot this down. Even the difficult trials. Even the difficult trials. God has a plan for your pain, God has a purpose for your endurance. When the hard times come, it doesn't mean that God's plan shut off or somehow uh, Satan got a hold of the pen and started writing nonsense all over the script that God was preparing. That's not the way it works. God actually intends to use the painful circumstances of life to bring about his good. You remember the story of Joseph, right? Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery in Egypt. What what a terrible life. He was a prisoner rotting in a foreign land. 
And, and what makes it worse is God had made, uh, made it clear to him through a dream that Joseph was going to become uh, a ruler, a great leader. And now here he was in jail in the darkness and he was falsely accused. Everything had gone wrong. And then out of nowhere, overnight, God rose Joseph up and made him the prince of Egypt. And then his brothers finally came and bowed down before him. And Joseph, he could have killed them all, right? And when they finally apologized, you know what he said to them? He said, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. God meant it for good. And whatever else is happening in your life, whatever look, God means it for good. God can weave it right in, even the difficult trials. It says in Hebrews 12, 10, um, for they, meaning fathers, disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he, God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. So here's another image, a picture of a father who's disciplining their, their child, their sons. I have three children. Uh, I love them all. They're very well behaved. Occasionally I have to discipline them. And the idea of a father applying painful consequences to his children is a portrait of why God would bring some painful things into your life. Fathers apply discipline temporarily to help children learn virtue. And good dads know that if we don't guide our children, if we don't shape them, then much more pain is coming in life than losing video games for a day, right? There's big pain coming if we can't use these teachable moments to help our children to be raised up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So when life gets hard, often God is disciplining us because he's parenting us. He's parenting us. This is a precious truth because if there are some hard things happening in your life, uh, and, and they're a result of maybe your choices. Um, look, God will bring hard times into your life because he's parenting you. Sometimes hard things come into our life, not because we did anything wrong, uh, but just because we were in the wrong place at the wrong time or circumstance. And you know what? God allowed that as a good father would allow his children to go through some hard times. Why? So that a stronger child comes out the other side. That's why God's allowing pain into your life and into my life. In Psalm 84, 11, it says this, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. This talks about the abundance of God's goodness that he gives to us. It says no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. This paints a picture of a God who provides us with everything we could want or hope to have. Now, now, when you look around your life, you're like, well, that doesn't describe my life. In fact, I'm losing a lot of things right now. God's not giving me everything I want. He's kind of taking some things that I need. How does that work? Well, this presents the ultimate timeless perspective of where God is leading us and how he does treat us over the course of our lives. He's not a stingy God. Listen, when you get to heaven, God's not going to be like, all right, stay out of the fenced areas, right? Don't put your feet up on the furniture, uh, and, and, and just go on the silver sidewalk. Stay off the gold. He's not going to be stingy. God's getting very carried away uh, with a paradise that we're going to live in forever. God is abundant in his goodness. It says no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Here's a picture of a Scrooge. Uh, Scrooge is what we think of around Christmas time. When, when we think of somebody who just has no Christmas spirit. They're just grumpy all the time and they don't want you to have everything. They have everything and they don't want you to have anything. And a lot of people live their whole lives thinking God is just a that. He's just a Scrooge, just a penny pincher. He won't, he won't give me anything good. And if, if I go to him, he's going to take away my stuff. How sad of a lie 
that is to believe. Hey, the first promise that we want to hold on to is God will bring good from this painful season. The first point was rest in and rely on God's goodness because everything good comes from God. Nothing good comes without God. The second point is trust that God's good plans will prevail because he's weaving everything together, even the difficult trials. Number three, you can write this down. Believe his goodness will last forever. Believe his goodness will last forever. So we talked about the abundance of his love, some pictures of what his goodness is like, and now we're going to talk about how it's never going to end. When it comes to these truths and these verses, I see the verses that we're going through today and in the weeks ahead as like some of the greatest hits in the Bible, right? Some of the greatest, and I want these to be on loop. I want them to be the ones that you keep pressing play on throughout the week so that we keep hearing these truths, right? This is our playlist for 2020. And Psalm 105 is a great one to to repeat. Here's what it says. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. That's a promise that will never end. Hey, listen, that's a promise that will still be true 10,000 years from now. Do you see how we can hold on to these assurances of God's goodness when we get afraid, when we get anxious, when we get depressed, when we're worried about, you know, uh, early May 2020, how's God going to make this work? Hey, listen, we just heard a promise that is never going to end. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. It says in Psalm 23, 6, David wrote this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is an amazing realization that David had. David was a shepherd, of course. He knew sheep. And David knew what it meant to lead a flock of sheep. And and they don't lie down if they're restless. They don't lie down if they're agitated. In this this psalm, the, the shepherd, and David's the sheep in the psalm, and the shepherd keeps taking the sheep places. They start in this, you know, the, val- the green, you know, beside still waters in the green pastures, and then they get up and go through the valley of the shadow of death, right? Then they end up around some enemies that are kind of scary. How does this story end? Where is this shepherd taking us? What a wonderful truth. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's like goodness and mercy keep catching up to us. Now, you might, you might say to yourself, well, well, I haven't had goodness knock on my door lately, right? Uh, you might say to yourself, this sounds too good to be true, too idealistic. Hey, listen, David was a man who knew struggles. He knew what it meant to be anointed king when there was another king on the throne who hurled spears at him. He knew what it meant to be on the run, living in a cave. He had to leave his country right? He had to get his family out of the country to survive. He knew hardship. He knew sin. He knew what it meant to murder. He knew what it meant to take another man's wife. He knew what it meant to be a dead man in the eyes of God. And guess what? Time and time and time again, God's goodness showed up. God's goodness showed up so that God finally made a promise and told David, one of your descendants is going to be on the throne forever. The goodness of God kept catching up to him. And look, you, you might not see it yet, but the goodness of God is on your heels again. All through this life and all through eternity, it's going to be the goodness of God that continues to catch up to you. We have to believe that his goodness is going to last forever and forever and forever. 
One of the um, most interesting and impactful videos I discovered this week was about Pixar movies, all right? And the, the video was about how Pixar makes us cry in their movies using music. So a little honesty here, raise your hand if a Pixar movie has made you cry. Even one tear, all right? Raise your hand. My hand is up. My hand is up. Uh, and the, the movie Up, speaking of Up, is, is the worst one. Here's a picture of, the, of Up. Adorable couple, right? You've got Ellie and Carl. They're such an adorable couple and, and could not be more opposite. And they're supposed to go on all these adventures and then they don't. Uh, and, and here's what this video said. This video said, you would think when it comes to Pixar making us cry, that the formula would be sad scene, sad song equals emotional moment. But that's actually not the case. Uh, This 10-minute video that I got drawn into talked about how the most emotional moments came when the music and the scene were sending opposite messages. It was the contrast between what people were seeing and what they were hearing that was generating the most powerful responses. That's not just true with the tears. That's true with the laughter as well. Here's a picture of the alpha dog from the movie Up, right? And what do you see here? You see a big scary dog, high squeaky voice. So it's the seeing one thing, hearing another that creates the laughter, that amplifies the laughter. And so this whole video was talking about how the most powerful scenes that Pixar can generate happen when you are seeing something sad but hearing something hopeful. That's what equals the most powerful scene. And of course, in the, movie, in the movie Up, within the first five minutes, they've got you crying. Why? Because there's a funeral scene, right? Where poor Ellie passes away and sad little Carl's sitting there at a funeral with a balloon. But if you pay attention to what's happening in this scene, you don't hear sad music. You hear hopeful music because it's implying that he's about to go somewhere based on what he's experiencing. Sad scene, hopeful music, powerful moment. Who could forget Nemo, right? Uh, Nemo, that's another one where they use opposites. Here's a picture of uh, Marlin, right? Marlin is is a serious clownfish. Do you see the mismatch there? (laughs) You're seeing one thing, you're hearing another. And, And that creates this, uh, you know, this separation there. But within the first few minutes of that movie, what happens? Poor Marlon's whole family gets wiped out by a barracuda, right? And all the sad music starts. Uh, But that's not the power yet. The power is when he finds that one of his little ones has actually made it. And if you pay close attention, here's what happens. The music changes. It changes from sad to hopeful. Sad scene, hopeful music, powerful moment, movie begins. And here's a picture all through the movie. He's trying to protect his little one, right? And the most powerful moment in that intro is when Marlon looks at his little son, Egg, right? And he says, I promise I will never let anything happen to you. Hey, listen, Pixar figured out something that flows from the heart of God. Christians, we are seeing the same thing that the world is seeing. But we are hearing very different music behind what we're seeing. There's sad things, but there's hopeful promises. This is what creates the powerful moments in our relationship with God. We're hearing a totally different soundtrack. 
when God's word is the hopeful music. And listen, God's word is powerful enough to make even the saddest sights redemptive. We have to let God's word be the soundtrack of this year. No matter what we see, we have to keep listening to God's promises. And what a powerful moment, an unprecedented moment, God is directing for us right now. Hey, listen, Christians, our Father has promised us that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. So let me ask you this question. Are you knowing the promises of God? Are you telling them to yourself? Are you relying on them? Are you letting that music get louder and louder? Are you starting and ending your day with God's word? If we rest in and rely on God's goodness, we're in a fortress. If we leave his presence, we've got no protection. Hey, are you trusting that God's plans will prevail? Are you holding on to that? Or are you reaching out for something else that just can't hold you right now? Do you believe that his goodness will last forever and forever and forever? Do you believe God's plan that the hope of God's word can't be paused by what's going on right now? And no matter what you're seeing, are you willing to let God's word, his goodness, be what you're hearing? And based on that, are you ready for this to be one of the most powerful experiences you've ever had of God's goodness? Hey, that's what we're going for together. And I want to give you a chance to pray and to talk to God about that right now. So let's close our eyes, let's bow our our heads, and let's pray together. Father, what an amazing, amazing series of verses about your goodness. We do race into your presence. We do trust your promises. But so often we don't rely on them. So often we don't cling to you, Father. We leave your presence. We lose our confidence. We let go of our hope. We, we look at relying on you and we treat it like it's something we wouldn't, wouldn't want to eat. We need to be talked into it again. Father, I pray that you would remind us that you are the only source of good, the fullest source of it. You're the only place where goodness comes from and that the promised goodness you have for us will last forever and forever and forever. Father, I just pray that you would help weary hearts today to find strength again in your presence. I pray that you would help people who have allowed anxiety to just grip their souls. Help them, O oh Lord, to see your goodness. I pray that our anger would just, would just be turned down and that the sweet music of your promises would be what fills our hearts this entire week. We pray that you would revive us and restore our souls with a portrait of your goodness like the sun shining on a cloudless day. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.